We do wish you happy Father's Day and are grateful that you are here with us this morning in person and uh, I've been watching uh, the uh, post coming in on the uh, live Facebook live service and there's people watching that's driving back home, there's people watching that's out of town working, there's people watching all over so we're grateful for the opportunity to be able to live in a time of where that you can come to church even when you can't be here. Amen? And how awesome is that? So we welcome everyone that's watching online and those who are here with us. And happy Father's Day to all. This is the uh, last part and the last message in the when slash if uh, sermon series, uh, a series that we've been talking about and learning about prayer. And um, when we talk about prayer, uh, it, it's a a position that we put ourselves in to where that we communicate with God, uh, not only letting him know our wish list, but in an act of worship of the Father that deserves our worship. Amen. So during our praise and worship, it's just an awesome feeling to be able to sit here and know uh, that our heart is uh, being laid out before God. And as we sing songs to him, that he inhabits the praises of his people, the scripture says. So how many is glad sh God shows up? when we praise him. Amen. When we offer up a thanksgiving and praise of our heart to him, he will come running and he will be with us. And when that happens, you can't help but pray. I believe that it becomes a, a portion of our heart that just amplifies and comes alive when God shows up. So if you praise him, he will be there and then you can uh, open up your mouth. And uh, that's the point in time where that he will hear the prayers of his people. And imagine living in a world full of people who was infatuated with the will of God. Hopefully, that's the world that we're living in here at the bridge. And as we come together uh, weekly and sometimes in each other's homes and maybe we go out to eat with each other and we become a community of believers that loves God and loves people, loves each other and loves the world around us, that we can uh, sense and know that we are a people that desires the will of God. Amen? Yeah. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, you need, look at your neighbor and say, you need to desire the will of God. Amen. I really believe that, that the more we desire his will in our life, uh, the greater impact we will have because it's God's will that not any would perish, but all would come to repentance and all would be part of his kingdom. Jesus came to change the world, not leave it the way it was. And more specifically, he came to change your world. He came to imitate the will of God and initiate it on the planet Earth. You're here for a purpose, and that purpose is to live in the center of his will. When I send out an email from time to time, and it's something from the church, I've always done this, and I've made it a practice uh, since I've been pastor, uh, that I make the uh, signature line where it tells my, you know, you like your name and maybe your position or something and then your address and phone number and, and then your email contact and all that. It's a signature line. I always put that in the center and I always leave instead of saying uh, some other cheesy term that we always use in business world or anywhere else that we send out emails. I always do that, put it in the center, and then I put in the center of his wheel just so that people know when I'm messaging or sending an email or a communication that I want them to understand that that is my desire as the pastor of the church is to be in the center of God's will. 
How many knows we can get out of his will? Amen. We can be in his will or we can get out of his will. And that's what we're talking about in this sermon series as we look through Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. And this is out of the, uh, it's part of the context of the uh, Sermon on the Mount that Jesus was teaching all of his disciples. And he would, you know, would sit down, crowds would follow him. And as it, miracles was being performed and all these things that Jesus did and said that people become infatuated with the will of God because when they seen it in full force in front of their very eyes, some things they had never seen before. They had seen people with withered hands and hands come forth, and they seen people that was born blind be able to see, and they saw people that couldn't hear be able to hear. And they saw these miracles, and when they saw these, they knew this is the will of God. Amen. It's not his will that any... Remain sick. I don't, I don't believe that it's his will to bring sickness upon people. It's God's will that we are healed. Amen? Amen? Yes. But we're living in a sin-filled world where that sickness does come. Amen? Yes. We all suffer sickness, hardships. We're pressed on every side, uh, the Apostle Paul says, but we're not overtaken because the love of God still resides within us, and even in the midst of our mess we can still know that God is with me. Amen? And that's what, uh, in the Old Testament, the book of Job, Job had lost everything that he had. He lost his wife. He lost his kids. He lost all these things. And it's just like everything that the enemy was stripped away from Job. But he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. When we place our trust in God, when we put our attitude that I'm going to stick with this no matter what, as Leslie said a while ago, you know, it's easy to come to Christ and come to him and expecting our world to be perfected in an instant and, and thinking, wow, this is all just going to change and I'll never have to face any adversity again. How many old-time old Christians in the room can say uh, that doesn't happen? Amen? When we become a Christian, doesn't mean we're perfected in an instant and we'll never have any hardships again. But the Bible does say he won't put any more on you than you can bear. That there's no temptation that we have to endure, that we can't overcome because God is in us and he is the hope of glory. So when Jesus is teaching this prayer that he was teaching these people that were infatuated with the will of God that they saw in four force in front of them, and he set them down and he began to teach them through the Sermon on the Mount, and it's Matthew chapter 5 through uh, 7 that he's uh, teaching this sermon. And this portion of it is what we call in the church the Lord's Prayer. That Jesus taught us how to pray, and he taught his disciples then how to pray. And if he taught them, he's teaching you. So as you read these words in the Bible, know this, that even though Jesus was speaking to another crowd of people in another region of the earth, it's still your words that he's teaching to you. That when we hear the words leap off the page of the text of Scripture that we're reading, and we understand that they are applying to my life, it will change how we look at things. How many would like to pray like Jesus prayed? Amen. Amen? Wouldn't that be awesome to be able to pray like Jesus prayed? This church was named Bethesda back in 1997 when Sister Gartha and Brother Tom planted the church here, and, and they named it Bethesda because it was a pool of water. It was a place where the people would go in uh, the Old Testament and up to Jesus' time, and they took this pool of water. It was like a, a pool there in Jerusalem, and they would lay sick people there because they heard that an angel would come and stir the water, and when the water was stirred, they could take that sick, per sick person and place them in the water, and they would be healed. 
But there was this guy who had been laying here for years and years and years, and his friends would carry him there to Jerusalem, and they would lay him by this pool called Bethesda, and he was there. And whenever the water would get stirred, he couldn't get in himself because he, he was uh, paralyzed, and he couldn't get in, and somebody else would always beat him in the water. But one day this man called Jesus comes walking by. What a beautiful picture this is that as Jesus comes walking through Jerusalem, the capital city of all of, of Judah, 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 uh, the, the Judaism and how that Jesus comes walking through there and there's all these Pharisees, there's all these Sadducees, there was prophets, there was all these great men of mighty influence in the nation of Israel. And as Jesus come walking through, how many knows that's going to change some things? Amen. Amen? We can have some holy people in some big robes and walk around with all these phylacteries and all these different things and these head dressings and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, I want Jesus to walk through. Amen? I want to be in the midst, and the Bible says that we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, and we need to be uh, assemble ourselves with believers like we are here this morning. But I don't want to come to church just to meet you. I love you and everything, but I want to come to church and meet Jesus. Amen. I want him to come through the aisles and come through the midst of us. And we know when we walk out of this place today, I have met Jesus today. And that isn't just a one-time occurrence where I do that when I get saved. That's a, every time we come in this place, we should expect, let's walk out of here saying, wow, I met God today. This man was laying there sick and he couldn't get up. And Jesus comes walking by and Jesus said, you know, what do you need? He said, well, i got this excuse. I can't get in the water. I can't get healed because I've got my healing. is only going to happen this one way. How many knows we put limitations on God? Amen? We doubt everything else, but other than this one pattern that I know somebody else got healed this way, so it happens, has to happen that way for me. Amen? God can get with you ever how he wants to. Open up your heart and say, God, whatever your will is, let it be done. Not mine, yours. So as this happens, Jesus reaches down, picks the man up by the hand, and he stands up and he begins to walk. The Bible says that he goes about and he praises God all over Jerusalem. He's, he's running and hooping and hollering, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. And everybody's looking and all these Pharisees and Sadducees, the one that should have been doing the healing, the church leadership should be praying for people that are sick. Amen. But they wasn't doing it. So why? Because it was the Sabbath. So they got all tore up. Well, Jesus, what are you doing healing somebody on the Sabbath? What's wrong with you? Heaven forbid Jesus heals somebody. How goofy is it when man makes religion and ideology and we get his own opinions in our own brain and do it our way and we won't even let Jesus heal somebody because I didn't want it to happen like that. Prayer changes our mindset. It should. Amen? So Jesus was teaching these people how to pray because they had saw things happen like that. And they wanted that in their life, and he was telling them, it's possible. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, and he's, he's teaching them this prayer, and it's an awesome thing. And I don't have to read it again because this is week five. If you don't have it by now, you're not going to get it, honey. It's, it's okay. Amen. Go read Matthew chapter six. It is awesome. And something else can come out of it. You can, you can never read it and think, well, I don't need to read that again. I've already done that part. I'm telling you, the Bible is alive. Amen. Amen. The Bible is alive. And what I thought it meant before and what my idea of it was before, God can come in and he can illuminate something off the text of this page and apply to my life. And I'll know, wow, 
Only God could show me that. You need to be reading your Bible. Amen? But we need to be praying too. So every week I've been saying this during the When If series, prayer is one of the most critical parts of our relationship with God. Relationships are strengthened and bolstered by communication. And prayer is the communication method that God has provided for us to utilize to reach heaven. How many would like for your prayers to reach heaven? Amen? That should be our desire. And through these weeks, we've looked at different things. In week one, we talked about, in James chapter 5, how that we should pray for the sick. Week two, 1 Timothy chapter 2, we talked about how that we should pray for relationships. Week three, Philippians 4 says, you know, that don't worry about anything and pray about everything. That we talked about stop worrying. Week four, we talked about last week how that we need to be praying for the harvest, for the harvesters to go into the harvest and bring those in that don't know God that's never experienced him. It's God's will for us to do the work of the ministry. Today I want to just cap this off with this few thoughts as we cap off the When If series. And I want us to think about these few verses that we're going to read, and, and maybe I'll skip through a little bit of them and not read the whole things, but I want us to know that God told us in Matthew chapter 21, this is verses 18 through 22, this is the Gospel of Matthew 21, verses 18 through 22. I'll just go ahead and read this one. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. Anybody ever get hungry? Anybody hungry already? My blue Mary muffins are wearing off right now. It's Father's Day, and you know you got to go eat on Father's Day. It's the way it is. Or either go to Mom's house or Dad's house or something, and and uh, get you a good meal. Says Jesus was hungry. He become hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said it. And he said to it, "May no fruit ever come from you again." And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered and said to them, Truly, I say to you. Jesus was hungry, and the fig tree produced no fruit. The New Testament tells us that there is a fruit of the Spirit. I'll never forget a few years ago, Amy done a children's church thing and they done a, a lessons on the fruit of the Spirit and they had these little songs that they would sing through so that the kids would know the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus expects you when he comes by you and he's hungry for something to be happening in the movement of God that your life would produce fruit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Temperance, kindness, meekness, self-control. And I'm glad he put that one last, the self-control, because that's what we have the hardest time dealing with. Right, Brandon? Not picking on you or anything, but just, just a little bit of self-control. It's hard. It's easy to try to control everybody else. But it's really hard to control myself. Amen? What do you say all the time that it's easy that we... Uh, we judge others according to their actions and we judge ourselves according to our intentions. 
Leslie says that all the time. I don't know where she got it from. She must have stole it from a book. That's too good to come from her. Chris Hodges. <laughs> Chris Hodges. There you go, Pastor. Church on the Highlands. Yeah, there you go. So I know it comes somewhere good. Chris Hodges, yeah. 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 But it paid to read the book, though, right? So she, she gets to say it all the time. And that is so true. That sometimes we just have thoughts about people and think, well, I need to do something for so-and-so, and that'd be, that'd be nice if I went and done that. And we have intentions of doing it, but we never act on it. Anybody guilty? Because the minute we start thinking about, well, I need to go over to their house and sit with them for a little bit and, and, and be nice to them, right, Cindy? And, and we think that thought, but then later on the devil starts kicking us. Cindy comes to me all the time and says, you know, I, I thought about doing this, and, but, but the devil started kicking me, and you know what? I just did it anyway. That's why she says, I love it when Cindy says that because she's going to go. Amen. It's actions. So as that happens, you know, that we intend to do something, but a lot of times we don't do it because we become fearful. What if? Amen? What if I go and what if they make fun of me and say, what are you doing here? What if I go knock on their door and the devil starts speaking in your mind? Well, they're going to cuss you out when you walk the door, especially if you're going to some hellion. Amen. You think, oh, I'm not going to talk about God to that guy. I don't know. That's awful scary. You don't have to beat them over the head with it. Just go and be loved. Go and be present. Because God can change their heart through his manifest presence without your words. Amen. Just be obedient to what he says to do. So as I'm thinking about this, and Jesus looked at this, he's expecting some control in our life. And that control is the will of God. Think about that. The fruit of the Spirit that he's saying, have self-control. We usually look at it as what we shouldn't do. How many ever looked at self-control in, in that text in Galatians 5 I think it is the fruit of the spirit and thought self-control is what I need not to do what if we looked at it in the positive and said what should I do control myself to do the things I should do let's have that kind of obedience in our life so as Jesus was doing this, and he's walked by, and he's hungry, and he's seen this, this tree with no fruit, and, and you know, he, he, he kind of cussed it here, and he cursed this tree, and as he did, it withered away at once, and they were amazed. They was like, wow, how did that happen in an instant? Kind of reminds me of the Old Testament when Moses was out there and looking for God and, and seeking God and, and, and doing the shepherding, and all of a sudden he seen this, this fiery bush. And it didn't go away. It was just a big ball of fire out there. And he's like, wow, I've seen stuff catch on fire out here in the wilderness before, out in this desert. But I've never seen anything where it just kept burning. The Bible says that our God is a consuming fire. Yeah. It never goes out. Amen. When he plants a fire in your life, it's not one that goes away. It's one that stays. God will always be present with you. So this is something that amazes us when we see miracles happen. And this is just a day or two before Jesus hangs on the cross. So his disciples had walked with him for about three and a half years. They had saw all kinds of things happen. They had been with Jesus as one of his very personal disciples, these 12 individuals, and they had walked with him, talked with him. They had, they had hung out and they had they'd seen all this ministry that he had done. But they were still amazed. You know, sometimes as Christians, when we've been in it too long, we run out of the awe of God. 
because we think, wow, I know how that's going to turn out. I've seen it happen this way or that way before. How many knows? The older we become as a Christian, the more in awe we ought to be. Amen? Let's just sing the song about being amazed by God. And we need to live a life where we expect to be amazed by him. And as Jesus walked by this and he told him, and he answered back to him because they asked him a question. They marveled at this and they, was, they were saying, how did this tree wither at once? How many's got questions about God? Everybody else is a liar. <laughs> you need to pray for it right now. We all question God. We all wonder why. We all ask how. And these disciples were the same way. And they was asking God, you know, how did this happen? And Jesus answered. He will answer you. Sometimes it may not be the way you want, but he will answer you. Amen. And Jesus answered them and said, Truly I say unto you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown in the sea, it will happen. And whatsoever you ask in prayer, you will receive it if you have faith. So this when if series, we've talked about when we ought to pray, always, right? Everything we do ought to be a life of prayer. Pray without ceasing. All these verses that we've read through this series. And here Jesus is saying, if you can pray a prayer that a mountain be moved. But Jesus said, if you have faith. His disciples had come to him before and they'd said, increase our faith, Lord. It was, a, it was a, a request that the disciples had of Jesus. Increase our faith. How many would like your faith increased? Amen. How many would like to see fear diminished? Amen. Amen. The doubt go away. Amen. That I would come into a knowledge of God, that I would have faith to believe the impossible is possible with him. Not me, him. This is the faith that Jesus is talking about. If you have faith. And a mountain here, I don't believe, is physical mountain, a, a mountain that you go out. And you know, I love going to see the mountains. And uh, Betty just told me, you know, they went down to Tennessee and the boys uh, won yesterday. Congratulations to the young guys, amen, that went down from Lewis County, the young uh, uh, football stars, making it on a team, the Kentucky team, to go down and beat up on Tennessee. How awesome is that? Amen. I got my softball shirt on. I don't know if you recognize it or not, but I got my softball shirt on because I'm representing uh, the girls here today and you know I'm taking credit for all the wins because I was praying for them and you know all that it's it, it's all it's all me I did all that not really the girls are here some of them's here and it's awesome girls won't you stand up Who, who's on the softball team I want you to stand up girls the one in the back's not kind of backwards there, there's two of them there's other ones missing so let's give them a big hand on their wins amen Going all the way to the Final Four in Kentucky, that's awesome, amazing things. It's history-breaking, uh, all the stuff that we need to congratulate them and be behind them. Amen. As a church, uh, it's just awesome uh, to have them in our midst today, uh, knowing that uh, they love God and they love people and they're here with us. So these mountains aren't mountains in physical stature. I think these are spiritual mountains that Jesus is speaking to. How many has got some spiritual mountains? Looks like something that's almost impassable. Can you imagine being Lewis and Clark 
And heading through this region, that's who Lewis County is named after, Lewis and Clark, you know, Meriwether Lewis. And heading out west and going to go try to go to the ocean, you didn't even know how far it was. You had no idea. Nobody had ever been there before. Well, the Indians had been there before, but the white man thinks we conquered the world. And, but at least they had enough bravery to head out on that journey. So they take off on that pathway, and they come through, and, you know, they take off to go find out where's this other ocean. And as they're traveling along, they, they come into hardships, and they have all these different things, and sickness happens, and you can read that story. It's an awesome story. It's, they journaled it, so you can read through the whole journal of what Lewis and Clark experienced. And these mountains that they would overcome, and they would go through, and it was wintertime, you know, they about froze to death, and all these different things happened. But they kept journeying and marching on because they was not going to allow a mountain stop them from the destiny and what they desired to see. They had faith that there was water over there somewhere. And if I go long enough, I'm going to get to the water. It's determination. It's grit. It's where it says that, yes, I may go on, be going through the, the valley of the shadow of death, but thou art with me. It's that kind of faith where it says, I'm going to keep going with God, even though it may look to everybody around me say, like they did with Job. Why not give up, Job? Why not just cuss God and die? Job said, no, uh -uh, not me. I'm going on. Amen. I'm going to where God is, and I'm going to keep on this journey, and I'm staying with it. Faith will cause you to overcome mountains, and how they're cast into the sea is when you cross over top of them, and you look down on that other side, and the valley's out there, and all this plenish. And it's just amazing, the story. If I read through that several years ago, the story of Lewis and Clark, and read their account of how when they crossed over that last mountain, and they saw that beautiful, beautiful ocean, and they was just in splendor and it's just in awe and amazement of, wow, after all these hardships, this was worth the trouble. I don't know everybody in this room's situations, but I know this, your destination is to meet God. And yes, I may have a mountain in front of me right now. And some people make a mountain out of a molehill. Amen? But it's reality to them. And sometimes we look at people and they'll say, we'll say, well, why are you making such a big deal out there? That's, that's really easy. Not everybody has the same amount of faith. Amen? We all don't have identical faith. So we should never put somebody down because they don't believe like we do. Amen? Amen? We should offer our faith in prayers for them that they would see God over top of their molehill that we see it as, but they see it as a mountain. Our perspectives are different. Allow them to be individuals and have faith to help them overcome their adversities. Because whenever we look at them and say, you know, you're, you're making a mountain out of a molehill, Sandy. Don't do that. They're sitting there with the reality in their mind is, wow, that's really a mountain. Well, if we would look at them and say, instead of saying that in a negative connotation, if we'd look at them and say, you know what? I believe God's going to take you through. Amen. I've come through mountains before, and I've seen God move mountains in my life, and I believe he's going to get you through. You're going to come out of this victorious. You're going to come out of this overcomer. Amen. I believe that God is with you. 
And if we would paint that kind of picture for people that are facing situations in their life, what kind of world would we live in? It'd be a world where we believe the will of God is for us to make heaven our home and eternity to live forever with Him, and we would take a lot of people with us. The church is known for being negative about everything. What if we would quit being known about what we're against and be known for what we're for? Amen. Let's turn it around. Let's paint a better picture. Let's be Christians where people say, wow, look at the smile on their face. I used to know them. They was old grumpy dumpy, and now look at them. They've come in the kingdom of God, and now they're happy. Amen. Smile a little bit. It's not against the Bible. Amen. Laughter's like a medicine. Everybody needs a good dose every now and then. Amen. Smile a little bit. Be happy. Let your faith be on your lips. Because Jesus was telling his disciples here, pray with faith. Hebrews chapter 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is believing when you can't even see it in reality, that you, that you know it. I don't even understand this, and it looks impossible to me here with these carnal eyes, but guess what? When I look with spiritual eyes, all of a sudden, all of heaven opens up, and I know God is able, amen. He's able to bring me through this situation. It may be a mountain right now, but guess what? I'm going to see the ocean on the other side. Keep with it, church. Amen. Be steadfast and movable, always abounding in truth, and you will see the things that God desires for your life. Amen. Luke 18, Jesus, you know, gets into this little squabble with these people, uh, these Pharisees and Sadducees, and they're, they're mad because, you know, Jesus has come in and he disrupted them, and he, he turned over their money tables, and this is just a day or two before he, before he goes in and be, uh, becomes crucified and all these things, and he goes to the cross just a day or two before this. Luke 18, Jesus is walking through this crowd, and these Pharisees and Sadducees got mad because he turned over their tables. There was people that was charging people to come to the temple. Let me tell you this. It doesn't matter what kind of clothes you wear. It doesn't matter what kind of job you have. It don't matter to me any part about any of that stuff as far as this earthly conditions that we live in. The bridge is open to everyone. Amen? These doors are open to everyone. It doesn't matter what they're facing in life, what difficulties they're going through. Everybody is welcome here. No matter the color of their skin, doesn't matter any of that stuff. All are welcome. Amen? Believers, unbelievers, you know, we've had all different types of people sitting in this room, and I'm glad of it. And there's other churches that look at it and say, well, oh, my goodness, I can't believe they said, let those kind of people come. Tax collectors? Are you serious? IRS? I'd love to have an IRS agent sitting in our it would be awesome. I guarantee you when the tax plate went, or the tithe plate went by, you'd be throwing it in then and be like, wow, they, I claimed that much on taxes last year. I'm, they're going to be watching me. I'm just playing. But Jesus told them, these Pharisees, he, because he think, puts things in parables. And whenever he puts things in parables, it's meant to be understood by a disciple, but unbelievers can't understand it. That's why your unbelieving friends and your unbelieving family can't understand the joy that's in your heart. Amen. They're blind to it because they haven't allowed their heart to be positioned to understand yet. Let's pray for them that they will. These Pharisees and Sadducees, they was mad that Jesus was doing this stuff. You know, he was he straightened stuff out. And he said, my house, this is the text where he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. 
You've made it into a den of thieves. You're charging people for turtles, doves to, to offer in their sacrifices. You're charging people as they've come from far and near to come. And you've, you've made it where that the only sacrifice that they could offer at the temple was something that you sold them. It's an it's absolute travesty that that's what the temple had turned into. Heaven forbid, let's let that never happen at the bridge. Let's always be about inviting and loving and cherishing even those that may not believe yet because how many knows if they get in this room, this is addictive. Amen. You might think cocaine's addictive. You might think that Percocets and all these other things and methamphetamine and all this other stuff. You, you can go through all that and talk about, oh, my, I can't believe I can't even get around and get close to it. I'm going to get addicted. I'm telling you what's in this room right now is 50 million times more addicted than that. Because whenever we become believers, it's infatuated by others and say, wow, you mean even Brett Blevins can come to the house of God? Yeah. Amen. He sure can. And I loved it that Ryan missed last week because me and Ryan's been friends with Brett for several years now just playing and, and doing other stuff. And, 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 and Ryan had to miss when he wasn't here. How awesome is that? Amen. He came last week and got baptized. And Ryan was telling me last, or last night or night before, maybe not last night, we was talking and he, he said, uh, you know, whenever Elizabeth, we was out of town, we was camping and it's okay to camp. I wish it had been a truck camper, but it's okay. You, you know, you guys, can, you guys can camp in a big camper if you want to. It's better truck camper been better. But I've been trying to get them to buy one for two years, and they never did. They bought a regular camper. But, you know, they was out camping for the first trip. And how many knows that's, that's Ryan especially pulling the truck, nervous, and how am I going to set it up, and, and I, I don't know if it's going to work, and, and all this stuff. And the beautiful part, he was telling me, he was telling me yesterday about how that uh, Ian's dad come over and helped set up the camper. So this is Ryan's wife's, the father to one of her kids. He goes to church, and he come over and help them set up their camper. It's the way family's supposed to be. Amen. They don't become your child just because of DNA. Families are mean meant to coexist and if you may have faced divorce you may have come from a family of a broken home but know this that God is able to heal all wounds and make all things new amen so as this happens and Ryan was telling me last night he said this is my story up was a rabbit trail but it's okay he said you know I was pulling a camper back home and Elizabeth showed me a picture and and I seen it, and I thought it was Brett. And he said, he looked over at her and said, is that who I think it is? She said, yeah. And Ryan tries to be a manly man, but he's kind of a sissy. And <laughs> <laughs> he said, a tear come in my eye, and it went down my cheek. He said, a tear. How many's got some people you're praying for? You're not beating over the head with the Bible. You're not Bible thumping them. You're just saying, man, I hope they come home. Keep believing. Maybe you're sitting here in this room today and you've got a husband and a wife and you look around and you see some ladies sitting here and I know that there's a group of ladies in this room that are praying for their husbands to come to the knowledge of Jesus. Don't ever give up. Do not ever give up.
My mom says that all the time. Do never give up. That's what God keeps telling her. Never give up. And those women are praying together. And one's in the place today. And Let's join them in prayer, believing that their spouses are coming in. That God would touch them and minister to them. And that the bridge would be a gateway that would invite them. And when we come, we wouldn't hurt their feelings, but we would make them feel included in this great church known as the bridge. This is not the only church. We're just one little ship out here in the big, of a big sea full of other ships. And I, I know that there's places for people to go to other churches we pray for them. And there's been people that come to church here and got saved and said, you know what, I just don't, don't believe this is the place for me. I'll give them a list of other churches, of good churches to go to, because I know if they go there, it's okay because we're one big kingdom. Amen? No hard feelings. But these are two prayers right here that I want to talk about just a second as I close. A Pharisee standing up. This is verse 11 in, in Luke 18. Pharisee standing up by himself. By himself. Look at your neighbor and say, quit being alone. Amen. Quit being alone in your faith. The enemy wants to divide and conquer. And that doesn't just mean in segments and groups of people. He wants to divide until he gets you by yourself, until you feel like that nobody cares. And you're isolated and all alone by yourself. Because he knows he's got to get you there. We need each other like never before. This Pharisee was by himself. And he prayed this way. This was his prayer. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give tithes on all I get. That was his prayer. His prayer to God was, I'm better than everybody else. We should humbly pray. The Bible says he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. How many needs his grace to get through? Amen. His grace is sufficient for us today. But the tax collector standing afar off from this guy that was standing by himself, this Pharisee, it would not even lift up his head to heaven but beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says this, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exhausts himself will be humbled but he who humbles himself will be exalted. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Let that be our prayer. We love it when instantaneous things happen, like the story that we read that Jesus with the fig tree, and he said it in an instant, and it withered up, right? We all want instant gratification. And I believe we're living in a time of the world where that we have to have it, and we have to have it now more than any other generation that's ever been. I don't know if it's because of the internet age. I don't know what all brings that about, but I'm telling you, we're living in a time where it has to be my way and it has to be my way now. Instant gratification. If I text you and you don't text me back within three minutes, you're mad at me, hate me, going to leave me, never come around me again. Amen? Instant. It has to be right now. It has to be. It can't be any other way. 
Sometimes it just takes time. And that's what I want us to pray today. is for God to come in a reality in our heart that we would give him time to accomplish his will. Amen? Daniel, an Old Testament prophet, he prayed one time that God would answer this prayer that he had. And because he didn't get instant gratification and he didn't hear from God instantly, the Bible says he went into fasting and he fasted for 21 days. We've done that here at the church several times in January that we would fast for the first 21 days. And it's an awesome thing. We see God move in mighty ways. I'm all about fasting. And Jesus said some things come about only by prayer and fasting. But Daniel was fasting these 21 days and all of a sudden he was standing by a river and as he was by this river and he began to open up his heart and allow himself to be uh, aware of what was going on. And the Bible says that an angel appeared. And that angel told Daniel, yeah, you prayed 21 days ago and God sent me on my journey that instant. But when I got into the heavenlies, I become into a battle because the enemy of your soul obstructed me from getting to you. Think about that. An angel of heaven fighting in the heavenlies to get to you. And it took him 21 days to get there. And sometimes when we pray prayers and we think, man, I have to have it right now, and God, you've got to answer me today, and it's, it's my, my stipulations that I'm putting on it. When God is dispatching angels to get to you the very instant you pray, but that doesn't mean they're going to arrive the very instant you desire them. Let's give God time to move. Amen? Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up like the wings of eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. There's all these things that tells us to wait on God. Won't you bow your head with me if you will? Today I want us to pray prayers of faith. That we believe God for things that we're facing. And there's ones in this room right now that you're facing those mountains. You've got situations going on in your life and there's adversity happening and it seems like it's all falling apart and you're sitting here today and you walked in worrying, fretting about situations. And today you heard this message and the Holy Spirit has ministered to your heart and told you, just have faith in God. And when we begin to speak about that and the faith that Jesus talked about, it began to grow on the inside of you and now you're believing that God is well able to do what I need done. That He will go with me. That He will bring me over the mountain. And I will see the beautiful view that He has for my future. There's some of you who walked in this room today that you've been praying like the Pharisee and you've been praying from a position where that you felt like that you was better than somebody else because maybe you've been in church for a long time and you're seeing these new Christians come in the bridge and you're thinking, wow, God's answering them. Why is he not answering me? Maybe it's in our heart where we are applying, I've been at this longer, my prayers should be first. And God's telling you today, humble yourself. Pray in humility. 
And there's a bunch of people in this room. I do believe this one, number three, that you need to pray for patience to wait on God. That you've been putting timelines on him, you've been putting fleeces out, you've been doing all these things that you thought was your manner and communication of God, and you put timelines on him to say, here's how I need it done, God, and here's when I need it done. And today God is speaking to you and telling you, just slow down. Wait on me and see what I will do. Sing that, Leslie. If that's your prayer in this place today, that you're praying with faith, that you're praying for patience, if you're praying today with humility like you've never had before, that you need to come to God and say, God, be with me for I'm a sinner and I need your righteousness because mine is filthy rags. Cleanse me up today, God. Clean me. Allow me to have patience. Give me faith to believe, oh God. Spirit come in this place. Heal wounds, oh God. Clear consciences in this place, oh God. Renew a right spirit within us, oh God. Lord, I'm amazed. Let's just sing that. Sing this with her. Lift up your hands if you're amazed by him today. Just worship him right now. Whatever you're needing answer, just lift your hand in obedience to him and saying, God, I humble myself. I'm expecting, oh God, but I've got it with patience. And God, I'm humble right now that you're here with us, that you're answering our prayers, oh God. In your spiritual eyes see how wide his grace is right now.
holy peace has come upon us. Rest in it. Have a knowledge of God. Have a trust in God and walk out of this room today expecting, expecting God to move. I think we have to sing that louder than ever before, but just go ahead and sing those same words, Leslie. I want everybody in this room to lift up your voice. Whether you can sing or not, I can't sing a lick, but I'm singing anyway. Are you amazed by him? Can you sense him all about you right now, that he's surrounding you, that he's clothed you with his righteousness, that you can sense and know that he is here with us? that he's moving on situations in this room and you may know about your neighbor sitting there and you know what they're having a need of today and you know and you can tell that God is moving. I can feel him in the midst. God, we know you're here. We're amazed by you, oh God. I'm amazed by you. Does he love you?